this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Glad to see you out today here on Labor Day weekend. Glad you came to honor God today. Do you know church is a big deal to God? It's such a big deal that He gave us a commandment. Honor the Lord on the Sabbath. It's that big of a deal to Him. And I believe we really, really, really need to hold tight to that, guys. Quit, quit allowing events in your life to keep you from being in church, okay? It's that big of a deal to Him. Now, God loves you, okay? I'm not going to beat you up. It's not what I'm here for, but you've got a purpose in your heart. I'm going to be at church. Once again, if church isn't a big deal to you, it won't be a big deal to your kids either. And growing up, guys, my kids didn't have the opportunity or the the thought, do I go to church or not? No. If you live in my house, you're going to church. Unless you're sick with signs following. Okay? All right. We love you. All right. Get your Bible and go with me to the book of Mark chapter 3. We're going to talk about people here. And how does God respond to people? Their hurts, their, their needs, their wants. And if God had a theme song, you know what it would be? You're always on my mind. You're always on my mind. That's what's always on God's mind is people. And you're always on His mind. But let me ask you this, what's on your mind? What's always on your mind? And a lot of times, this video was me. I hurry through life. I mean, I, I, I kind of get to the point in times, and this may be you too, where people are just objects. Get out of my way. I got somewhere to go. And I don't want to live that way, no matter where I'm at. Now, you know, if, if a police officer, or if, if when they do, they have a radar gun. And what they do with that radar gun, they see you coming down the road, and they shoot it at you, and it picks up your, your speed. Well, I've thought about this. What if we had a mine gun where I could come around here and I could point this at different ones. I could shoot this at Jason and all of a sudden everything on his thoughts are right up here on the big screen. Now, you don't have to duck, okay? I don't have one of those, so relax. It'd kind of be fun if we did. (laughs) No, it wouldn't. But I was thinking about that and I thought, okay, just say Jesus comes strolling in here today and he sits down and I shoot him with the mind gun. You know what would be on Jesus' mind? People. People would flash up here. Not, not prestige, not power, not position, but people. Because people matter to God. How do you know that? Well, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. Guess what the world is? People. God didn't love the rivers and the mountains and, and, and the, the dirt and the soil and all those. He loves people so much that He sent His only begotten Son. So I want to put this in your heart here today. And how we're going to do this, we're going to look at people through the eyes of the disciples. What they got to see firsthand with Jesus here today. Begin with me in Mark chapter 3, uh, verse 13. Mark three thirteen. It says, and Jesus went up on the mountains, and he called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him, 
Then he appointed 12. Now that word appointed there means to make someone into something. So he appointed 12 that they might be with him and they might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. Now when you read this here, he gives his disciples three commissions here. He says, okay, Phyllis, I want you to go preach the word. I want you to heal the sick. And I want you to cast out demons. Now, in those three commissions that he gives the disciples, every one of those are centered around people. Who were they to preach to? People. Who were they to lay hands on? And see? People. People, 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 because people matter to God. But if you go back into verse 14, you got to see this, okay? I want to read it again. It says, Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him. Jesus wanted the disciples to be with him. You know why? He liked them. He wanted to do life with them. And it's important that we see this because just as Jesus wanted to have a relationship with the disciples, he wants to have a relationship with me and you. And that's where it all starts. And so Jesus understood this. If I can get a relationship with these guys, I'll influence them. And I'll influence them for what? How to treat people. And when I look at this, this is what I really begin to see, that Jesus was saying, listen, if I can just get you around me, you can learn from me because people are always on my mind. Now look in the book of Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Now you can think about this as you're turning there. Here's a thought for you that when Jesus is on the cross about to die, his last few minutes before he dies, what was he thinking about? People. He said to John, he said, John, take care of my mama. Take care of her. Remember what he said to the thief next to him? He said, listen, buddy, you're going to be with me in, in paradise. And ultimately, the very people that crucified him, he said, Father God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. People were still on his mind to the very end. And I believe that's the picture that he wants to portray to me and you. To, i got to get around people. i got to love people. Now look at this passage here, and it'll give you a little bit of insight. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face as they went. They entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. Now, in order to go to, to Jerusalem, he was going to go through Samaritan. Or Samaria. The problem with that is the Jews and the Samaritans, they didn't just like each other, they hated each other. They couldn't stand each other. This had been going on for centuries and centuries. Verse 53, But they, the Samaritans, did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. So Jesus is wanting to go through Samaria and the Samaritans aren't real thrilled like that. Actually, they're very, very ugly to him about it. How do you know that? Well, look what it says in verse 54. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they saw the Samaritans' behavior toward Jesus, they said, Lord, 
Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? So these Samaritans are bad. And so you know what the disciples were thought? We're going to teach them a lesson. We're going to show them, fellas. We're going to say, burn, baby, burn is what we're fixing to. We're going to make sure you never forget what it means to mess with Jesus this way. But look at Jesus' response in the very next verse. But he turned and he rebuked him. The Amplified says he severely rebuked him. In other words, fellas, you don't get it. And look what he says to him: You do not know what manner of spirit you are. In other words, fellas, it's about people. Once again, you got... And so the disciples, guys, they're getting a first-hand look at this. And Jesus says in verse 56, For the Son of Man, He did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. To save them from the penalty of eternal death. You know why? People were always on His mind. They were His life. They were His concern. Even people like the Samaritans who were their enemies. See, it's easy for me to love people that love me. But what happens when I step out of my comfort zone and I try to love the people that aren't easy to love? And right here, he was showing the the disciples, listen, fellas, I'm trying to influence you where you begin to see it's all about people. I believe one of the greatest prayers we can have right now is, Father God, give me a heart for people. Just to love people. Now, if you've watched the news much lately, and I don't advise you watch very much of that stuff. There's not a whole lot of good reports on there. But if you've watched it at all lately, one of the headlines here has, has been this trial of this, this man down in Fort Hood. The, the terrorists that killed all those innocent people. Now, the other day, they sentenced him to death. And I heard the testimonies of, of three family members that lost loved ones. One has a teenage daughter, and she's contemplated committing suicide several times now because she has no daddy anymore. Another woman is experiencing incredible financial hardships because she has no husband to help her anymore. The third one was a father who lost his daughter, but not only did he lose his daughter, she was pregnant with his granddaughter. And so you can see the eyes of these people. Now, when I saw this the other day, that he was committed to die... I rejoice. I was like, yeah, there you go, buddy. You get what you deserve. And this is what I really, really sensed the Lord speaking to my heart. And he said, I love him. I love him. I don't love what he did, but I love him. And what happens with us as human beings We look at all the the junk that goes around on the world and all the stuff that happens specifically in the Middle East, and it's very easy to get an anger at those people. Almost like the disciples, burn, baby, burn. 
get them. But we got to understand this. God loves them. He doesn't love what they do, but He loves them. He loves all people. And so when I look this and see sentenced to death, really technically, every one of us are guilty of death. If we really look at it that way, every one of us in this room, we've fallen short of the glory of God. And so this really begins to move me. And there's times in my life I will hear God say that to me. Very specifically, I love him. I love her. And there's times that he'll get very authoritative with me. This is how this was. And so I'm sitting there thinking about all this that went down. And the Lord said to me, if he goes to die, and five minutes before he dies, if he confesses all his sin and receives me as Lord and Savior, he'll go to heaven. And you know what that does to a lot of the religious? We get mad. That's not right, God. That's not right. That's not fair. So what happens as, as human beings, we try to categorize sin. Well, this one's worse than this one. No. People matter to God. All over the world. God loves people. Now, I want to give you a first-hand illustration. Look over a couple pages to, to Luke chapter 15. I want you to see this right here. And this was what the disciples got to see with Jesus on a daily basis. How Jesus loved people. Luke 15, verse 1. Then all the tax collectors, who were notorious wicked is what one translation said, and the sinners, the social outcasts. Now just think for a minute. Wonder who was in that group. And the sinners. You know, there was years in my life, that would have been me. I would have been the sinner. Now look what happens here with them. And they drew near to Jesus to hear him. All these wicked folks, these social outcasts, these nobodies, these one society labels as losers, they draw near to him. Now you know what gets me even more than them drawing near to him? Jesus led them. Can you believe? Jesus led them. Thank God Jesus still loves when sinners come to him. That's how we got to get. Now look at the response of the religious. And the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the couldn't sees, the wouldn't sees, and the scribes, they complain saying, this man receives, this man welcomes, this man accepts sinners and he eats with them. Now when I read this, it really ticked them off. They didn't like it at all. Actually, they went against Jesus, but I'm sure Jesus was thinking, man, what a compliment. They're complimenting, but they really weren't in their eyes. Now, when you look at this, Jesus treated all people the same. He, he treated them with dignity. He treated them with honor. He treated them with respect. That's why I believe they like to come around him and eat. That's why they like to hang out with him. Same should be for me and you. Just to treat people with dignity and respect. You know what Jesus was notorious for? Making people like this feel special. You know, it's easy to put people down. It's easy to criticize them. What would happen if we got in our heart 
I'm going to make people feel special. Even the outcasts. Even the ones that got the cooties. The ones we all run from. What would happen if we would make them feel special? See, Jesus, guys, he could look at a sinner and see a saint. Jesus didn't just, just look at them and, and see what they were. He could see what they could become. And I believe that's what we all need to See, that's what happens to many of us. We, we, we are sinners, and this is how we look on the inside. But thank God there were people who didn't give up on me and you. That saw what you could become with Jesus. And this is what he's trying to, to tell the, uh, the, the disciples here. Now, the Pharisees and the scribes, guys, they were extremely religious. These are the ones that had their nose up to everyone. These are the ones who wanted you to think, man, they pray all the time. Look how spiritual they are. They can quote the whole Bible. Now, I'm not downplaying any of that. But I can tell you this firsthand. The sinners don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People could care less what you pray until they know that you're for them. You know, there was years in my life that God, He brought me up to love people right where I worked. And I believe that's what God's doing with some of you. Right there where you're at, where you're working, God wants to use you. And so at that time in my life, I was working in these alleys, guys, and I was around the winos, the drunks, the homeless, the, the ones that smelled. But the Lord said to me, he said, they don't care how much you know until you know how much you care. You know what the end was, how I got on the inside and began to be able to speak into them? Just through an apple or an orange. When I would give them something to eat, and you've heard me say this, the fastest way to a man's heart is through his stomach. That's true, I believe. But just by giving them an apple, just by stopping and speaking to him, just by giving him a, a minute, it opened a door to him. I believe this is exactly what the Lord wants us to do. He doesn't want us to view people like that, like the, the Pharisees did. You know what they said? They're not important. They're not valuable. Yeah, they're valuable. Even the outcast. Now, this parable here is going to help us. Keep reading with me, starting verse 3. So Jesus spoke to this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays on it his, on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me. For I found my sheep which was lost. I say to you, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Jesus right here in this parable, you know what he's showing us? The value of one. The importance of one. Now if we really know what he said there in verse 7, he said that when one sinner comes to know the Lord, heaven erupts. I, I guess the angels are high-winging it, whatever they do. I mean, can you imagine? It erupts. Heaven erupts. But here in their churches, 
when one gets born again, we may get one holy grunt. Most of the time when one gets one born again, you know what people are saying? I wish he'd shut up. The cowboys are on. I believe, guys, for, for uh, salvation to come to the, the house of God like it needs to, we got to have a people that appreciate it. We got to reach. I mean, when the sinners come in here, praise the Lord, and some of you say, I don't want them coming in here. I have a reserved seat. I didn't know we sold reserved seats here. We ought to just rejoice when people come in here. And this is what Jesus is trying to get the point across. And, and, and here's the deal. When you read these, these parables here, and I'm going to read the next one here in a second. The only thing that will cross over into eternity is people. Your home won't, your car, your boat, your motorcycle, your guns, your golf clubs. Ladies, all your shoes, your clothes, your perfume, none of that's going to cross over. Your trophies, no. Titles, no. Your bank state, no. The only thing that's going to cross over into eternity is people. Of every nation, of every tongue, of every color of skin, of every background. So you know what I'm telling some of you right now? If you got a problem with skin color, you're not going to like heaven. You know what Jesus is going to do to you in heaven? He's going to make you live next door to the color of skin person you didn't like. I don't know that. That's just my thought. I've never been up there yet. You know what my thought is? If we're going to live together in heaven, why not do life together here on earth? Do you know the greatest segregated place in, in, in humanity right now is the church on Sunday mornings? That's the white church, that's the black church, that's the brown church, that's the swirl church. And the black sheep, the brown sheep, the world swirl sheep, whatever. But you know what I found out? People are people. Cut me, we all bleed the same, I promise you. And if you got a problem with skin color... Maybe you ought to get born again. That hurt. Read this with me, verse 8. Or what manner, or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp? Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, these two parables right here, guys, they illustrate the importance of one person. Just one. Now, in John, uh, Luke 15, right here where we're at, there's three parables in this. The, the two we just read about the sinners, the lost. The third one is about what we call the prodigal son. Now, I'm going to paraphrase it for you. And so, this son, he lived under his father's house, and he said to his father, he said, give me all my inheritance. And so the son leaves his father, and he goes living what we call prodigal or wasteful living. He runs back to the world. After a period of time, he loses everything he's got, and you know where he's at? He's in the pig pens. 
Pig pens aren't a great place, but you know what I found? When you're put in the pig pens, it'll get your attention pretty quick. So he gets this young man's attention, and he says, man, i got to go back to my father's house. i got to go back to him. Now, if you're a prodigal son or daughter, and what I mean by that, you've been born again, but man, you've run back to the world. It's a good day for you today, too. Listen, starting in verse 18, what the Scriptures say about this. This is the prodigal son, and he says, I will arise, and I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Now, who was the one who arose? The son did. Who was the one who said, I sin? The son did. So guess what he's done? He's taken responsibility for his actions. All that is is repentance, guys. If you're a prodigal son or daughter, God loves you. He wants you back. And look what he says in verse 19. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. Make me like one of your servants. Great prayer, guys. Father God, make me like one of your servants. Now, look real closely at verse 20. And he arose, the son, and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. That's huge, guys, because you know what that shows me? The father's reception shows two things. Number one, he pardoned the son, but he also restored him. If you're a prodigal son or, or daughter today, I'm going to tell you, God loves you. He wants you to come back. And just as the father parted when they... That's what we're going to start doing. We're going to start celebrating around here when people give their heart to Jesus or the prodigals come back. Now, why is it important that the prodigal comes back? Look at verse 32, the last verse in this chapter. And I want you to see something in here. It says... It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again and is lost and is found. Now there's a couple nuggets in that passage you've got to get, guys. He said your brother is dead. He's alive again. He's not talking about physical, guys. He's talking about spiritual. Now listen real close to the wording in there. He was alive, but he chose to go back to the world, so he's dead. But he came back to God and gave his heart back to Jesus again, and you know what? He's alive again. Now there's some theology right there, guys, that'll wreck some of you if you'll just let the Bible teach you what he's just talking about there. Look, look real close to the Scriptures. No, here's my thought. It's clear that the prodigal son came back and gave his heart back to Jesus, and he, he, he lived eternally in heaven with Jesus. But let's just say that he didn't. Where would he spend eternity at? See, this is how much God loves you. This is how much God loves people. Every one of us in this room. And this is one of the things God is really, really stirring up in me. We've got to have a heart for people. We've got to have a, a heart for the lost, for the sinners. Sinners never bothered Jesus. It didn't move him. You know why? God, uh, Jesus knew what sinners do. They sin. 
we got to have a heart for them. People. People. You know, I told this early in the, the first service that there was a time in my life, now this happened a minimum of 10 or 15 times. I could tell you stories for the next two hours on this, and I, I would say every time I got in this setting, Father God, what are you trying to teach me here? I'm, I'm in Clovis, and I'm not in the ministry yet, I don't think, or if I am, I'm just starting pastoring. I'm in this restaurant one night, I'm sitting there eating, and all of a sudden, there's all this noise. And I glance and look, and this whole, this whole plate tray of food just hits me. I mean, a royal mess. There was ketchup, there was mustard, french fries, there was a milkshake, and running down my neck... There was a half a hamburger on my leg. And so, you know, when stuff like that happens, your first reaction is, you idiot. I didn't say it. I thought it, okay? But I responded like, what is going on? And I looked down, and there's this young waitress, probably no more than 20. She looks up at me, and when she sees the mess I'm in, guys, she got tears coming down. And I said, no, 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 darling, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay. And the manager came, and I wanted to reassure him, it's okay, whatever you do, don't fire. Now, you know what it was worth? It was worth free milkshakes for the rest of my life there. Every time I'd come in there, they'd say, what do you want? I'd say, listen, guys, I don't want nothing. I moved to Lubbock. I'm sitting down here at 82nd and Quaker at Abuelos with one of our businessmen. My back is this way, and I'm facing him, and I see his face expression change. All of a sudden, a tray of food hits me. My thought is, Father God, what are you trying to teach me? I'll get it real quick. This time, half a tamale down my shirt, hot sauce, queso. My hair is all matted together. I used to have a lot more hair than that too, okay? So it was a mess, just everywhere on me. And I turn around and look, and there's this little waitress like, oh no, my job. I get the manager and say, listen, but it's okay. It's okay, no more. Now, this is how I've got over and over and over. It got where no one would gone to eat with me. If they did, they said away. I mean, the bizarre thing, I could be in the middle of people, uh, a cup would hit, it bounced over three of them and hit me in the head. I mean, I was at a Chili's one day, and the waiter was sitting there filling water glass. He's missing the, the cups, and it's going down my shirt. Just soaking in. So I'm like, Jesus, what are you trying to teach me? The worst one was the last one. I'm going to share with you, and then we'll move on. I'm making a point here. My son's going to school down in Dallas, and so we're eating at a P.F. Chang's. They put us in this back booth by the bartender. And so he's back there mixing drinks. Man, I'm watching him. I mean, the guy's hands are just moving. It's incredible how fast. Shelly says, I need to go to the restroom and wash my hands. So I'm watching him, and he picks up this bottle of cherry flavor. And it's cherry flavor, I promise you. And he starts shaking it. And next thing I knew, I hear the neck of the bottle snap, and here it comes. Glass, cher I mean sticky cherry, where the hair on my legs all wadded up. I looked at him. The manager shows up. The assistant manager. The assistant to the assistant. The head cook, the, the, the worst cook, the bad. Everybody in the restaurant shows up. Man, they got towels all over me, cleaning me up and everything. And the bartender's still in shock. He's looking at me like, oh my gosh. My wife comes around the corner. She's not in shock. She's hysterical. She loves it. She knows what's happened. 
So he says, I'll buy you a new wardrobe. I'll get your laundry done. And I said, dude, you don't do nothing for me. Don't do nothing for me. All I want is to make sure, do not fire him, okay? And you know what I said to the Lord? What are you trying to teach me? He said, people. People are more important than your clothes. People are more important than your car. People are more important. And I said, I got it, Lord. I got it. There's times in my life right now the Lord gives me refresher courses. People, people. And when I watched that video last Tuesday, you know what I said? you got to show that because that's me. I can get so busy in life that get out of my way. I'm on a mission. I'm going through the, 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 the traffic lights as fast as I can. I go to this place. I don't have time for people. I'm busy. But Jesus right now said, slow down. Wherever you go, wherever you're at. And, and, and my wife sent me on a combat mission yesterday to Walmart. Four o'clock in the afternoon. And she said, honey, I, I need a couple bags of ice. I thought, oh. I pull up in the parking lot. It's hand-to-hand combat, I promise you. It's horrible. And I said, Jesus, you've got to help me. And you know what I did? I, I made a, con- a conscious effort to make eye contact with people. To tell the little clerk, God bless you. God bless- You're doing a good job. Hang in there. You deserve a purple heart for what people are doing to you here. God bless you. God bless you. See, it's all these refresher things come back to me. And I sense the Lord saying, you know. You know, but you get too busy. Where you miss the very thing that life is, people. Turn with me to Acts 1. We're getting close to being done. Maybe. Cowboys aren't on today anyhow. Acts 1. Verse 8. Now you know where we're at here? Jesus has died. He's rose from the grave. He's on the earth for 40 days from the time he came up from the grave until he had ascended into heaven. Now the verse I'm getting ready to read you, this is Jesus' last word face to face with his disciples. So you can imagine, if it was your last words on earth, you would really, really want to make them count. Acts 1 verse 8, and Jesus said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. We are witnesses to Jesus. So you know what that's saying? How does Jesus look in other people's life when they look at you? Do they see Jesus in you? If you went to work and said you were a Christian, would they go, I didn't know that. This is what I'm talking. He said, you shall be witnesses to me. And look what he says. In Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria. You know what that means? There's people in Jerusalem. There was people in Judea. There was people in Samaria. You know why? Because Jesus was saying, this is what it's about, boys. Nothing else. You know how that would look for me and you? He would say, go into Lubbock. Go into shallow water. Go into Slayton. Go into Idaho. Go into those places. And you know what it says there at the end? To the inmost parts of the earth. I said this in the first service. I'm going to say it again. You know where the inmost parts of the earth is? 
Roswell. There you go. If you're from Roswell, you still got a chance. Just kidding, Pastor Jimmy. No, you know why I say all that, guys? People are important to God. Right where you work. We're His hands. We're His voice. That's what church is about, guys. Is to come together as the body of Christ and just see how big we can make it. And I believe with all my heart, guys, when we get to heaven, there'll be people in heaven that'll have huge crowns. And those crowns will all be because they were soul winners. And they'll come strolling down the, the streets of gold and you'll look and say, that person, he was busy on the earth. Now I'm not going to have you turn there, but in John 13, verse 34 and 35, it says that he gives us a new commandment to love one another as he's loved us. And the word love in verse 35 it's a word that has an action. It's a verb. You know what that means? People want to see it. They just don't want to hear, well, Jesus. They want to see it. And it's in your behavior and your actions. And so every time I go somewhere and I do something stupid, literally I've given Jesus a black eye. They look and they say, if that's what Christians are, I don't want to be that. And this is where I found out in life. If I'm not an example by the way I live, I'll be an example by the way I repent. Where you look and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Did you know there was a lady who was coming to church here, and she brought some things to the office one day. And I had been over here in the auditorium, and I went walking back over there, and the lady was there, and, and I, I had a million things on my mind. That's not an excuse. And I spoke to her. But I guess I didn't speak to her like she thought I should. And so my wife saw her where she worked, and she said, I had not seen you no more. And she said, I'll never come back to your church because how ugly your husband was. And Shelly said, I've been accused of that, but my husband's never been accused of that. And it rocked me. I thought, I, I, I don't want people to view me that way. I want to be kind to people. I want to recognize people. I want to acknowledge people. So what'd you do? I didn't even know what she looked like. But she was mad at me. And so Shelly pointed her out one day. And I said, that's her? I said, I, I don't know that I've ever seen her in my life. But I didn't sweep it under the rug either. I said to her, listen, if I did something to offend you, I'm sorry. I said, that's not my heart is to ever offend you. Ever. And so once again... As a Christian, love is a verb. Love is an action. Love is saying, you know what, just like Jesus did, if I'm going to eat with the sinners, then I'm going to eat with the sinners. I'm going to let them know I value you. Stand up with me here today. I believe we've got to get a hold of this again, guys. You know, years ago, just like a Sunday morning like this, there wasn't nearly, nearly as many people here. And I looked in the back of the church and I saw this guy back there. He didn't have on his Sunday clothes. His hair was all nappy and matted down. Shirt was all tore up. And when you got close to him, he had on leave me alone cologne. He stunk. He smelled like a dumpster. He smelled like urine's what he smelled like. I got real close to him. 
And sometimes when God does something in your heart, you never forget it. And it's like Jesus right there that day, he said to me, he said, I died for that smell. I died for that smell. And I've never forgot that. You know what he was telling me? He's important to me. He's important to me. And I want you to love him. And I believe that's what needs to take place here. When people come in here, man, we need to love people. Right there where your work, is there someone that's very difficult to love? Let that be your assignment. Let them melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.